Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number seven. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view, of course. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, how's it going, Nick? Hey, John, I'm doing great. I want to make sure we everyone knows we're both VMware solution engineers and our topics are definitely going to have a data center slant, but we hope our career discussions will be relevant across disciplines and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great. I think that that opening's still holding up for me. How about for you? Yeah, I like it. Cool. I think maybe all we need to do is uh, make sure that everybody knows that we're, you know, the thesis of our podcast is to bring people the career advice that we wish that we'd gotten earlier on in our careers. Absolutely. It's career iteration. <laughs> we have to say iteration a lot. That's also a very important part of this podcast. Yes, indeed. All right. So this week, topics. We're going to be doing a segment on professional networking. So not, you know, switch and route and firewall and load balancer, but professional person-to-person networking, building person-to-person connections and uh, people that can help you with your career, mentorships, etc. This was kind of inspired by a couple different articles. One was the... uh, one was an article from the Washington Post, and another was a podcast episode, uh, Tech, Tech Village. I don't think that we've talked about Tech Village as a podcast, um, and maybe we can get into that a little bit as we uh, talk about that topic. And then we're also going to revisit training. Last episode, we kind of outlined a framework for training, and we want to go in and and add some additional stuff um, that we thought was uh as important, training adjacencies, I think, is the the revision and additional content that we want to add in. So with that in mind, let's dive into professional networking. Uh, Nick, you were the one who originally brought the Tech Village podcast to my attention. And I have to say, I'm very, very grateful that you did. It's been a real pleasure to listen to for the past uh, few months. Um, have you gotten a bunch out of that? It seems to have uh, uh, arisen in that same time that uh, the Geek Whispers uh, went down or went dark or ended. It was kind of a planned thing. So I, I found it very useful. I really have enjoyed it. You know, they talk about their mission is to reach people out in what they call the village, the village of people in the tech community. And to help them build one another up, you know, for those who have been in the community for a long time, the the goal hopefully is for you to continue to move forward, but also to help others move forward as someone once helped you. And they outline that in their original episode and talk about their their mission. So, Edine Porter de Leon and, and Lauren Malhoyt, and there's a I won't spoil it that there's a third guest, but I won't say who it is. If you haven't listened to the podcast, start with the first episode and and keep going. But they have some great, great content already. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really cool to listen to. They've, they've had some really uh, cool people on um, a a large roster of guests actually. And 
we're specifically talking about episode number two, um, at least that inspired us to, to do this topic. And episode number two was titled Get Your Head Out of Your Valley. And it really focused on tech careers outside of Silicon Valley and what people do to stay relevant. Um, I think that's a valuable topic, but there is a really interesting kind of emergent uh, discussion that went on that I wasn't sure was the point, but I, I mean, I felt it was really, really important. And that was almost every single person um, who, you know, had this kind of, uh, f- you know, public facing uh, persona, like blogging, uh, one guest was a CTO. They all were doing these really interesting kind of formalized professional networking tasks. And they really, you know, went into kind of deep detail to describe them uh, during the, the podcast. So I thought that's that was the thing that I wanted to highlight. I don't think, again, that it was uh, the main point of the podcast, but um, I wanted to kind of run down the different guests and the different activities that they were doing. I don't know, Nick, did you give it a listen? Did, did that come out for you as well? I did. And you're so on point there. And it's funny because each guest indicated that professional networking, even though they didn't say the words, that that was an essential part of their role and you know being part of the greater company, especially not being you know in the office quote every day, maybe being a little farther away from the action, but how important it was for them to communicate and keep in touch with the folks that they work with in a in an in person basis you know that facetime that really there's there's no replacement for you know we can skype or whatever and and see each other across the screen but that's not the same as sitting down and chatting with someone across the table from you yeah exactly so i think that's kind of where the first guest uh, adam eckerly uh started that's a uh, at ek79 ck79 on twitter um he, I don't think he, again, as you pointed out, I don't think he explicitly said professional networking, but he mentioned how difficult it was to, you know, maybe be relevant or front of mind for the, his coworkers when he wasn't there in the office face to face. He highlighted the fact that he was able to get regular on-site visits. Um, he works at VMware uh, and you know, so is in the Palo Alto office uh, one or two times a quarter, I think he said. And the thing that he said was that face-to-face meetings inspired better electronic responses. Or uh, actually, that might have been um, Lauren Melhoit who said that. Um, but but I think that Adam agreed and, and chimed in and went, yeah, absolutely. If you're just like a name making a request, it's kind of easier to lower prior, you know, lower the priority on your requests as opposed to, you know, a person who drops by every once in a while and somebody who you know and like and understand what they do. So that really kind of jumped out at me and went, oh, yeah, the, the, here's somebody who, you know, has this uh, challenge to overcome not being face-to-face. And, you know, in a large organization like VMware, you know, you have to build these internal networks, right? It's not just a professional networking outside of your organization. It's networking inside your organization as well. Wouldn't you say, John, that when you're talking about your response to someone else that, you know, there's an email response to someone you've never talked to. There's the 
a phone call response to someone you never talked to, and then the in-person response, wouldn't you say that as the contact becomes closer to in-person, you are much more likely to come in contact and be happy to help that person moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if in your networking efforts, you've identified that person as, you know, somebody who uh, does things for you as well, right? So it's not just like a a one-way street where this person is just constantly asking you for things, but every, you know, on a regular cadence, they're reaching out to you saying, hey, what can I do? Is there anything that I can do to help? What's going on with you? So I think that professional networking really is about, generally, it's about you reaching out and seeing what you can do for your network um, and then hoping that that equity pays off, right? when you have requests. So Adam mentioned that this is actually explicitly as part of a career journey as well, right? So he said explicitly this is a journey. It's not instantaneous, especially if you're looking to, to change organizations. And the first step that you, you make might not be directly to your dream job, but there's you know many intermediate steps. And that really um, mapped with what, it, what my career path was like, right? And I think I said it before, I, I worked at a customer. I kind of finally understood what a systems engineer, solution engineer was as a role. I identified VMware as a company that I really wanted to work for because, you know, I really liked the, the, the technology and it was an intermediate, you know, a bunch of intermediate steps before I got there. So it really, really tracked with me. And all of the things that he talked about, reaching out to people, networking, um, that really tracked with what my experience was as well. So, I will say also, kind of as you go up the chain, if someone who works for this person higher up has heard of you, it's easier for you to get access to people in higher places if you need their help for something. Just a little more internal exposure so that if that next opportunity presents itself within the company – People know who you are, what you do, and a little bit about your reputation. Absolutely. So you can have the support of not just maybe your manager, but, you know, people from different parts of the company and at different levels, you know, people at your level, below your level, above your level in parallel organizations. The second guest was Yup Piscar. Um, who is based in the Netherlands. He's a CTO of a company in the Netherlands and he has a, a blog of virtuallifestyle.nl um, that we'll link to as well. And he, again, it was the same discussion, right? Uh, or a similar discussion or similar points where he felt like the importance of the face-to-face contact as somebody who didn't live in the U.S. was so critically important that he was making, you know, you know averaging a trip a month to the U.S. to the various tech hubs um, as part of his position. So that face-to-face contact, I, I don't know about you, but I've definitely had times in my careers where I worked at an office and there were people there who I just never talked to, you know, for, for months at a time that, you know, I, I probably could have done better to reach out to them. So I don't know, was that ever the case with you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was in internal IT, we had remote sites, at least here in Texas and some in other states. 
And it was nice to actually be able to go to the remote sites and talk to the people there. And once you go out there and meet those people face to face and show them that you're wanting to help them solve problems the proper way to ask for help, it was very easy to get them to follow suit as opposed to me just being the heavy hand that blasts out this email and says, you're going to do it this way. That personal connection really goes a long way in helping people you know, follow procedures and getting them ingrained with the company culture. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you're trying to move up and out, you know, it's, you want to follow that same type of pattern just outside of your organization. Right. Mm -hmm. I know that we're not explicitly recommending that people change jobs, but you know, it's a reality that sometimes you, in order to move up, you have to leave the organization that you're in. So um, I think that he mentioned uh, some tools that he used, and he actually referenced uh, Alistair Cook of uh, V Brownbag as well. You know, just reaching out to people outside of the organization that he's in to, you know, on a weekly basis almost to to just check in. Maybe it's not the same person every week, but it's every week it's somebody outside the organization to check in and say, "Hey, how how have you done?" In the last, uh, you know, few weeks, few months, anything new cooking, um, and and sometimes it's, you know, in my experiences, is there anything I can do for you? And, you know, sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. But you know, at the same time, now they're remembering you, and if you can reach out to them in a way that they remember you specifically in your face and your in in your person, uh, it's uh, very very helpful. Yeah, and wouldn't you say that as your professional network grows, it gets a little bit harder to keep up with everyone from, you know, even if it's the same company and you're spread out across the country or maybe a previous company that you've been at keeping up with coworkers? I know there was a really good Geek Whispers episode with Aaron Banks about keeping up with former coworkers and very much like Alistair Cook is doing, reaching out to people and, hey, how's it going? You know, you're making the effort to to keep that relationship with someone else who might be outside your immediate sphere of influence. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you just have to get organized about that stuff, right? Calendar it, you know, be organized about all of these, you know, detail oriented things in your life, right? That's if, if what you want to do is advance, then this has to be part of the soft skills of your job is to be organized about this type of thing. Um, something that, that just popped into my mind was that I think that it might be better to jump on phone calls with people and maybe use a tool like Skype where you can be on video, even if the other person isn't on video. So you're a real person, right? So they don't need to be on camera, but, um, you present yourself on camera and now it's kind of impossible for them to think of you as a disembodied voice. Right. Or somebody who texts back in a very specific way. <laughs> right. Makes you right. a real person. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a little bit harder to ignore somebody when when you read their note, you can hear their voice and you can see their face, you know, in your imagination. So just uh something to think about. The uh I think the last guest that I want to talk about was Marie Maurer. I think that's your pronounce her name. Um, and she mentioned 
a situation where she worked for a company that was acquired by a different company on the West Coast. I, I presume it was somebody uh, from Silicon Valley and how they were integrating those those two office cultures and they had to do a lot more remote phone calls and, uh, you know, use a different set of tools, um, uh, you know, get used to, you know, kind of that, those remote meetings. And, and, uh, I think that, you know, that, that can be true for anybody, right? You can work in a, a medium sized organization, a small organization that opens up a new branch somewhere else. And, and like you said, you have to, as, and even if you're in IT operations, you have to, a lot of times be responsible for the uh, technology in those other locations. Sometimes it's a visit, sometimes it's remote, sometimes it's just touching base with those people to see how they're doing. But, you know, just being front of mind. And, and again, it's what can I do for you, right? And And eventually that type of thing pays off. I think the last point that I wanted to make um, was to point people to a Washington Post article. I think that after reading one of their other posts, I went back into their archive and really found that they had some solid, solid advice. So I, I almost want to take this specific Washington Post uh, jobs blog out of the uh, career clickbait or um, LinkedIn um questionable LinkedIn advice category and put it into this like solid basic advice. So they have an article, how to network within your company and a follow-up um, more advice on networking within your company. And it was, it's just real solid advice. You, you need to invest some of your personal time. So that means maybe, you know, you'd be more comfortable just eating your lunch in isolation, but, but really if you're going to be pursuing the skill of personal networking, building up a personal network, you have to invest some of that personal time. You have to sometimes sit down and eat lunch with people and expand, you know, the people that you do eat lunch with. Maybe it's somebody that you generally don't socialize with. Well, maybe you need to reach out to that person. Maybe you need to go out to some uh, um, socializing time after work um, and then attend some personal events. You know, maybe you don't go to everybody's wedding, everybody's, uh, you know, 4th of July picnic, but, but to do some of those things on a, basic basis is a is a good investment in time yeah and to get invited to those is the first step right so you have to get to know the person as a a human being that works with you and that's going to make working with them easier and again it it shows people that you care about having a relationship with them outside of just oh well you're the person i go to to fix this for me yeah absolutely and i think it's also working those muscles that you need down the road when you go to a conference, for example, and you need to sit down with people and have breakfast or lunch or dinner that, you know, at a table of full of people that you don't know, you know, that's kind of my mantra at those things. Like, hi, I don't know anybody here. <laughs> Is anybody sitting here? I want to meet you all. Um, some variation of that. That's when you throw LinkedIn invites at everyone at the table. What's your full name? Is this you on LinkedIn? Yeah. Yeah. I want to connect with you. So if you're sitting next to John at a conference, just beware. It's coming. It's definitely coming. I definitely 100% do that. <laughs> um, and if I don't with you, uh, please don't be offended. <laughs> I probably just assume that we're already connected. And then the uh, so Washington Post article wraps up with um, uh, advice to network both at your level and above your level. And... Um, 
to move up and out, right? Uh, not just within your organization. Maybe you're in IT and maybe you need to start networking and building personal relationships with people in uh, app development or engineering or sales or, um, you know, generic operations. So all good, solid advice. And I think those articles are, are worth a read. We'll make sure to have them within the show notes. And when we say network up, we don't necessarily mean brown nose to management. We just mean get to know the people above you outside of just your direct manager. Know who they are. Hopefully they know who you are and have a relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. Really good point. Let's move on to the ins and outs of training revisited. Uh, Nick, why don't you take the lead on this one? You had this interesting idea of adjacencies, yeah? Yeah. So this actually came out of a conversation you and I had about quarterly training plans and, you know, maybe what certification should we go for next? And sometimes it's dependent upon what we call an adjacency. But if we go back to that episode six, we talked a little bit about training to the needs of your employer. How deep should your training be? What were the benefits of having a training plan? But we didn't really hit on how the adjacencies might play into that as deeply as we could have. So an adjacency, as I would define it, is an area that's outside of your main focus, but pretty close to what you do. Would you agree with that, John, or would you define it differently? Yeah, that tracks for me. Okay. So a couple of examples, you know, maybe I am someone who is heavy network engineer. So learning something about virtualization isn't too far away that it's going to be super difficult for me, but it could really be helpful. Yeah. Or maybe I'm a database admin and I need to learn a little bit more about what a systems administrator does. Or perhaps a virtualization administrator learning about what the backup administrator does and vice versa. So let's, now that we define what an adjacency is, why would you think adjacencies are important, John? Why do I even care about them? I mean, the thing that pops in my mind, first of all, is, you know, to know what it is that, you know, is important in these adjacent areas that affect my core competency. So if I'm a database administrator, I know I need a certain amount of performance for my underlying storage, but it's probably better for me to know a little bit more about storage other than just, hey, this is the uh, IOPS and latency that I need and just make sure that I have it, right? Um, so if you know a, a little bit more about the underlying technologies, then you can speak with a little bit more authority, um, when you are dealing with the people in storage and you have a little bit more empathy for what they're going through. So that's my, my media thought. And it helps to break down those silos. We hear people talk about of, you know, well, we have the network team and the, and the storage team and the administrative team, and they're not on the same page. But if we can learn a little bit about what these other disciplines do, then it's easier to communicate with them, easier to work with them, just like you said. Uh, one of my customers, actually, they, they have a member of the development team who recently went to the operations side to help them clean things up so that they can better support the development team. So he's moving into an adjacency. He's not a you know, necessarily a server infrastructure person, but he knows all kinds of things about development and can really help that team look at things differently 
as they support the developers. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So what if I dive into an adjacent area, like maybe I'm a systems administrator and I don't really know that much about databases, but I, I end up finding myself really liking that. I really like SQL. I really like Oracle. That kind of allows me to dip a toe into what it might be like to be a database administrator for a day, you know? Maybe yeah, absolutely. it's not something I work on all the time, but I might actually see a need to support the database administrator because there's only one and that person can't take vacation because they're busy all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's a really helpful thing for an organization is for, for people to have uh, downtime and off time and to be able to take extended time away. Um, you know, so it, it lowers the fragility of the organization to have people who can back up other people, right? So, so if, as you become more important to the organization, that is going to help your career. Um, not that you want to be the one who is stuck with backing up everybody because then you can never take any time off. But if you are viewed upon as a leader who knows, you know, enough about enough different other disciplines that you can actually cover for them a little bit, then you become more and more important. And uh, more and more important people uh, tend to get promoted. Right. And you're not trying to take the other person's job, and hopefully they don't see it that way. You're just really trying to better communicate with them, better support them, and you know, bail them out of a tough spot if they get slammed and need some overflow. Gosh, take their job now. Like, you know, I have a 40-hour-a-week job, and I, the last thing that any of us wants is two 40-hour-a-week jobs, right? Yeah. Come on, John. You do 80 hours a week easy, right? I didn't think you needed sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about the, how you might could make that a specialty, but how do I go about, how, do, how have you seen this training for adjacencies happen in organizations? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've seen work pretty well in the organization that I'm in now at VMware is to have specialist teams kind of cross-train other teams. Um, and it isn't necessarily to cross-train so that they are at the same level as the specialist. It's cross-train so they have a baseline level of knowledge in that in that area, right? So the, maybe the network and security people put on a um, lunch and learn workshop so that storage people and the generalists and some of the security people know what's going on in network. Um, so that, that type of thing I think works really, really well to get groups of people cross-trained in kind of the 100 level ideas and skills and concerns, maybe not the skills, but the concerns um, that are, that are, being considered within that specialist team. And that works really, really well. Right. And you could you could come up with a similar scenario in terms of the operations teams and silos there. Somebody in the you know in the database department is asking the storage admin how they can better design their queries to support performance or how they can get better performance from the storage underlying the database. 
all, all those things can work together there. You know, even, even IT operations folks talking to the business application owners about expectations and, and what they want from a functionality standpoint for this next upgrade, some of their processes. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, management uh, being in on that that exact uh, same process as you described is super, super valuable because it kind of gives you a roadmap and things that you need to think about um, for the future, not just what's going on now. Yes. It's a really good idea. Absolutely. So there's the how. And if we go to, we talked a little bit about it, but how about the what? What should someone do to train for an adjacency? Any thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm biased, right? Of course. Being technically part of a, a sales team now. But I really think that it's important for technical people to understand how salespeople think. Um, even if you never plan to go into a pre-sales role ever in your career, I still think that it's important to understand how sales organizations think. Um, because, you know, oftentimes you're going to be on the receiving end. Um, you know, somebody's going to be trying to sell something to you. And if you know how, you know, a good sales organization is operating, then you know when you're not dealing with one, first of all. Um, and, and also it, it helps you to actually onboard technology better and, you know, get your projects funded. Uh, more easily. You know, one of the things that, that I found out only after I came to VMware was, you know, I should probably know um, what my boss's, you know, incentives and MBOs are, management by objective goals, um, because m the projects that I come up with probably need to be aligned around, you know, that person's uh, MBOs and, and personal goals and values, right? And the more they are, the more likely my project is to to get funded and to move forward. So, um, you know, again, that's just kind of the way a, a sales person thinks. And if you don't know that level of thinking, then, you know, you're just not going to uh, be as successful as an IT operations person pitching projects. Just out of curiosity, since you mentioned knowing your manager's objectives, have you ever had any pushback on maybe a manager who did not want to share those with you? Would you? Well, I never knew. I never knew to ask, and you know, I've definitely had conversations with my customers and and asked them what their MBOs were, and it, it just generally, you know, it can be awkward, right? Um, but you know, you need to be clear that you're not asking like how much money they have at risk or, or any kind of like bonus structure is just what is it that they're being measured on? You know, I need to understand how we as an organization and you as the leader of the organization are getting measured so that I can uh, identify projects that have the greatest amount of impact on that measurement. And if you talk about it that way, it's very difficult for that to be, you know, as awkward as it could be. Right. You're not saying, boss, I need to know how much your bonus is or how you're achieving it. It's it's like what how is this organization being judged? Right. And that's really, really important. And that's a pretty fair question. And as you can align more things to those measurements, you're gonna have people perk up a little bit more and wanna listen to you. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And then you might want to think about how um 
how executives and organizations think too, right? Um, and get cross-trained in that. Um, that that's another idea. Um, executives are concerned about, um, you know, just different things. Um, that you go up high enough, maybe to the C-suites, the C-level in the organization, and they're worried about revenue, expenses, uh, reducing risk, uh, lowering time to market, increasing quality of service. And, and, and then as you go out to the different organizations and business units, they're worried about those things, but specifically about their products that they're specifically pushing, right? So that type of thing, you know, the way of th- that those people at that level think if you need if you can bring that level of thinking to your IT organization or you as an IT operator hey if we do this it's actually lowering the risk that we face to project x so we can probably get some more attention from people who are in charge of project x or we can reduce the amount of uh, time that it's going to take to bring project y to market and the people in project y are going to be you know, pretty enthusiastic about that. So we might be able to get their sponsorship to, and maybe even some more budget dollars from them. So. Yeah. And this actually follows the previous segment super well. If you think about it, as you're doing the professional networking, knowing what's important to the people you work with and what their concerns are and what they're thinking about and how to better communicate with them helps you so, so much in those adjacencies. Yeah. And, and even, you know, if you're an individual contributor, what about learning about hiring skills or how to be a manager, how to mentor someone? That's those are great ideas, actually. I think that even if you never plan to be a manager, if you learn to think about what managers are concerned with, you know, performance management, hiring onboarding people and and leveling up the skills of the the workforce um that's going to help you get hired later on or promoted later on um or promoted in place you know um maybe even hired diagonally within the same organization that you're in you know if you know how hiring managers are thinking and how they measure performance and and what it is that they're looking for you can more effectively mentor your teammates and become a leader within your team. Um, and maybe that's a, a good path to career advancement. Again, you don't need to become a manager to um, have it be important to you to understand what those management concerns and skills are, because then you can be more important to the manager. And then again, that's the key to career advancement. Yeah, this is more about exposure to mindsets and thinking and technologies than anything, because, you know, just some exposure to different technologies from a conference you went to, even though you may not know everything about that technology, the fact that you know the problems it solved could make you the hero when it comes time to take on that next project at the office. Oh, I heard about this over here. I don't know a ton about it, but I know it does exactly what we're trying to do, and we can use that. That makes you so much more valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And we're probably talking about soft skills here and mindsets, as you pointed out, that don't have anything to do with technical skill adjacencies, but I still think that they are skill adjacencies that people should think about addressing. Um, 
and they probably were outside of what we talked about in episode six. Whenever we talk about um, training, most people think about, um, you know, getting a certification, what it is that they're doing, or maybe something, maybe they did even have adjacencies outside. Oh, you know, we're getting more into virtualization and maybe I need to get training on that. But um, these other mindsets and other skills, I think, are, are, are pretty important um, and shouldn't be ignored especially as you want to advance your career. It's all part of the journey. <laughs> all part of the journey. I think we covered that one. Anything else you want to add? No, I think that's pretty much what I had for that. Um, I think also that's all the topics we had planned. So uh, anything else pop into your mind while we were talking? Just a reminder that if your nerd journey is at the level where you need John to be your mentor and you want to sign up for the John White School of Mentoring, you can tweet or DM at Nerd Journey, and I'll be happy to talk to you about pricing and packaging. Otherwise, we just want to mention that we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. <laughs> <laughs> the John White School of Mentorship. All right. I'm never going to be able to not laugh at that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I try to slip All it right. in when you're not ready. Hopefully it's working. <laughs> you catch me every single time. It's like a game. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Um, farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at VJourneyman for Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore signing off. Actually, I was laughing so hard that I, I missed whether or not that's where we were at. <laughs> That's awesome.